This is Molly and Scalder, and you're listening to Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. This is Sherelle Jardine, and you're listening to Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. Make a Scene is sponsored by Zed Productions. Zed Productions is a full-service production company offering the best studios and services to suit your project and budget, from recording to mixing and mastering. Contact Sheldon Zaharko at SheldonZaharko.com. On Make a Scene, I love to promote Canadian artists and play some wicked music. Make a Scene Canada will introduce you to music from new and established artists. If you love the show and would like to donate to Make a Scene, please visit PacificNorthwestRadio.com and click the Donate button. If you're interested in sponsoring the station or Make a Scene or advertising with us, please get in touch. Our email is PacificNorthwestRadio at gmail.com and in the subject line put Make a Scene Canada or Pacific Northwest Radio or maybe one of our other programs and you can find them all at PacificNorthwestRadio.com. Tonight, I'm super excited to introduce you to a duo that is hitting it really hard with a very cool project and new songs, Mully and Skelder. Let me share that interview with you right now. So I'm here with Molly and Skelder today. Thanks for hanging out with me on Make a Scene Canada, guys. Hey, Thanks great for having us. Molly and Skelder are a Canadian musical duo comprised of singer-songwriter Sarah Wheeler and multi-instrumentalist Aaron Trory. Incorporating elements of synth pop, post-punk, and new wave, Molly and Skelder draw heavy inspiration from a science fiction television series filmed in Vancouver, which of course we don't have to say what it is, but we will because we love the series, The X-Files, of course. Now, does anybody ask you who Molly or who Skelder is? Do you guys get that? Like, oh, who's, you know, do you get that? Something interesting happened the other day, and I said the name, and the person said, oh yeah, that's nice, and I'm like, you know, because of... And they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. I, I thought it was uh, about an architect, or it makes me think of an architect or something. And nice. So that's a different way to go. <laughs> like you're building but something. <laughs> definitely. So, they were a little okay. off the mark, but maybe a lot of layering. <laughs> a lot of layering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you get that, Sarah, at all? Um, well, this is a really new project. So, yeah, people do ask us that. Um, but um, I don't I don't know what we've come to in the end, whether one of us is one or the other. I don't know. How do you feel here? When you're switching the words around like that, there is a tendency for some people to get a little confused. And I think it'll be important to start putting the name on things. So mm-hmm. it's being seen more because it, it can get confusing. Even uh, our friend on the radio says, oh, yes, uh, better pronounce this the right way because, well, <laughs> I don't want to be too dyslexic here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we've explored that a bit. I do love, Sarah, your suggestion about incorporating more skulls. <sighs> Into oh. your wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I do wear a lot of skulls. But I think that when Aaron, it, it was Aaron's idea, the the name, and when he first started talking to me about it, the thing that, that really caught my attention was the idea of, um, like, gender swapping, basically. Right. That's so that, that's 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 what really caught my attention because um, I'm a queer artist and it's and in this time period, it's really something that's interesting to me to follow like the the idea of gender fluidity and gender non-binary all those all the new those new terms now that people are throwing around they I, I feel them personally so it was something that was like that resonated with me and that that was part of the reason I was interested in this project oh okay mm-hmm. cool so I love it I absolutely love what you guys are doing I think the name is fucking brilliant mm-hmm, um, I'm going to separate you two for just a second if you don't mind so 
I actually met you, Sarah, a few, well, more than a few years ago. God, maybe it was even like a decade ago. Yeah. I'm not sure. Michael Flunkert, <laughs> right? He's yeah. killer uh, slide lap steel player. He was in my band at the time and he kept saying, oh my God, you have to see Sarah Wheeler live. You have to see her. And I didn't know you at the time. And so I finally got to go to a show and yeah, instantly fan, you super rock. And I can't remember what the venue was. It was a small venue, but you didn't even need your mic. You were just like belting it. It was crazy. Um, you have two albums, Black Helicopters and Out of the Woodwork. And your solo, solo page is sarahwheeler.com. Mm-hmm. And so um, on that site, because if people don't know who you are, and anybody in Vancouver obviously will know, but I guess it was Adrian Mack from the Georgia Strait. He had um, uh, something that he posted effortlessly, big voice, which falls somewhere between Chrissy Hine and Nico Case. And I also want to add, I hear a little LP in there. Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever said that to you? I love LP. I love LP. I love oh LP. my God. I love you more, yeah. but I love LP. Yeah. She's great. <laughs> She's fantastic. Yeah. Are you getting any of those similarities thrown at you? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Like be- again, because of the you know the I'm, I am a queer artist, so people tend to like. Uh, I think LP is that's that's an awesome you know you, you've brought up an awesome artist. Like some people are like, oh, you're gay, so you must like this, or like you know. Um, but yeah, I think people hear what they see. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people put you into that category because of the way that you look or the way that you uh, identify. So right, yeah. There's I didn't that. even know she was queer. Like I had no idea. I think gayer than a French horn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's pretty sexy. I gotta yeah. say. So yeah. are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Aaron, I've not met you until today, which is fantastic. And I did some creeping because I had to do a little more for you because I didn't know you on your social media. Excellent That's what I do. I'm a little creeper. Um, So Aaron Trory was born and raised in Salt Spring Island. And in high school, you hung out with the jazz kids because they partied harder than anyone in that school. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And you have a solo album called Zombie Flowers that was produced by John Roper, who I've actually just... um, you know, Fantastic. Been, uh, introduced to in the last little while because of his new project. Right. And people can find that album on your Bandcamp page. Um, and I guess it's uh, com. So that's cool. Anything else you want to add to that, like your background? Because that's where I kind of want to go now. And I was going to say Sarah first, but because I'm talking to you. So tell me a little bit about where you came from and your Absolutely. And- right. Um yeah, I was born in British Columbia, particularly in the Southern Gulf Islands, particularly Salt Spring Island, mm-hmm, which is a very nice, interesting place. And you know, I think a lot is written about that place, and it's very big as a tourist destination around here, and it's great in the summer. So, um, living there until you know the end of high school, I got to experience sort of a sheltered arts-based culture. I think. To be frank, there's a pretty interesting mix on that island of like hippie culture and man, I don't really want to say, let's just say like rural, rural culture, you know, backwoods kind of stuff. And um, during my upbringing there, uh, I was born in the late 80s, so the the 90s, um, I always was fascinated by what I thought Vancouver was. And of course, a big part of that was a lot of the music being played by local bands here on Vancouver stations and also uh, TV that was filmed in Vancouver, passed off as other places, mainly, you know, the of course, U.S. yeah. Um, God forbid they know it was in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, it's something of a phenomenon. So 
back to the the jazz thing um i mean you you make uh friends with who you can and mutual interest in music and all that stuff but eventually it, it was quite difficult to play rock music in a smaller community like that and fortunately we had a phenomenal music teacher in that uh school golf island secondary still does have a phenomenal music program and i just dove headfirst into that so i kind of traded this broken down old fender stratocaster for like a three-quarter size upright bass nice. and just tried to fake you know the jazz thing and for the most part i could fake my way through it must it. be pretty good then uh, well it, <laughs> i had to take the odd advil because that's a that's yeah, a pretty no hard on the body instrument to do especially if you don't know how to do it correctly um but i was very fortunate to pick up some music theory there and that's probably the most you know studied in music i would be until then going out here and then trying to meet up with people to play more rock-based stuff cool and so you have the album yeah and and that was really wonderful because in promoting that that's how i got um to meet sarah right and we all met sarah and i met at a show put on by our mutual friend john and it was just incredible like getting to play these songs for the first time and then seeing sarah go up after me like whoa like yeah look at this interaction with the crowd and like I'm a guy and I have longer hair, but you know, like she's a girl and she has short hair. It's for lack of a better term. Yeah. And like just getting all these ideas and just kind of maybe having a mutual appreciation of each other, what we do. Yeah, so. fantastic. And we're going to go into a little bit more of that story a little yeah. bit later in the interview. So, Sarah, let's get a bit of your background. Background. Yeah. Okay. Um, I grew up in a musical family. My grandfather played uh, piano with Nat King Cole, Sammy Davis Jr., Lena Horne. Heavy. Like that. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of grew up around music and I started writing when I was about 13. And, and I was played in bands from like high school onward. And um, just was always really interested in music all along. And I've had a solo project since way way back in the day um, that I write for continuously and I've played in a number of different bands. I played um, I played live with Dan Mangan, I played in Tani Tagak's band when she first started playing. I don't know if you're familiar with her, she's like a throat singer from Nunavut. Um, I've, what have I done? <laughs> I have recently, I've been in a, I've, I've been in a, a film called Aim for the Roses. Nice. Um, because I sang backups on, um, Mark Haney's album. It's a, it's a, it's a film about, uh, a Canadian <laughs> evil Knievel that tried to jump the St. Lawrence River in a rocket oh, car. God. Anyway, <laughs> that was like the docs of pick for a couple of years ago. I did that. Um, Recently, I played as part of the Juno Awards, and uh, I also went through cancer just recently. So right. a, a lot of things have happened to me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And you took a year off. A right? couple years of treatment. Yeah, yeah two wow. years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then I met Aaron, and I've been had an interest in electronic music for for quite some time, and uh and I started started incorporating that into my own work. And then uh, when I met Aaron, we just basically 
seemed to be on the same page at the same time and just meeting him was just like we both were really excited to do stuff I just come out of treatment and stuff like that I just want to do a lot of fun different projects and you mentioned LP right when I was going through treatment her album was the one that got me through chemotherapy and I like listened to her and her whole deal was like she was a professional songwriter um and wrote for like Rihanna and stuff like that oh. before she had her own solo career takeoff. And that was part of what, when I, when I was off for music and just doing treatment, some of the things that I wanted to do were like to write and collaborate uh, in terms of writing with other people and, and also to develop my own music as well. So when I met Aaron, it was just like, awesome. He was up for it. He wanted to do fun things. He was really motivated and he was like, a fantastic musician and just really positive and so I was like this is awesome let's no just do kidding. it you know wow kind of right time right place yeah. for you guys to yeah. get together and was that actually at um let me just see here the CD release party for the zombie flowers is that where you first met or um it was a bit before that yeah oh, okay. that album wasn't out yet but um our mutual friend John Roper he put together a show at Railway Club and uh, he somehow got the band Jazzberry Ram to play oh as God. well. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so there were all these people coming out of the woodwork. And it was also, I think, a part of like the 150th birthday weekend That's of the right, railway. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was a, yeah, I joke to people and I say, I'm still recovering from that weekend because <laughs> it, it, one thing led to another. And, you know, I just remember running into people in that club I hadn't seen in a while and maybe hadn't come to specifically see me, but I knew and being able to debut all this stuff was just like huge and led to so many things and, and meeting Sarah for the first time. And I just, the thought of like, basically each of us were watching the others act yeah. and maybe the wheels started turning a bit in my head, of course, possibly Sarah's too. And, you know, complimenting each other on performances. And then I just remember, yeah, like, hey, John, like, dude, do you have Sarah's number? I've got all these, like... Oh, so you popped the question. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I really wanted to do a project like this, and I didn't know if I ever would. And... um when I first met Sarah, then that's when the idea of actually swapping the roles and myself taking on a more feminine role mm -hmm. and Sarah doing an amazing job of paying tribute to, um, I guess, uh, actor David Jacoby yeah. or <laughs> Special Agent Fox Mulder. Uh, still, you know, want to be careful yeah. about the... Yeah, yeah. so it was, that was actually really cool. I, I'm just, as you're telling the story here, and I'm remembering now that I actually, I think we both sang on John's album we did right yes and but didn't know okay. each other and that's how we ended up at this show because it, john roper has a, a project with an old friend of mine um from jazzberry Ram. like i've known jazzberry the guys from jazzberry Ram for forever years right and years. yeah and it's called friction project right it's called friction, friction yeah. project and so aaron and i both sang on that album but hadn't met each other and then met each other at Okay, that's show. just yeah. so meant to be. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, that is crazy. Yeah. So it's great. I like it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, where did you record Billboards and Like Animals? What studio? Yeah, so Billboards was recorded in East Vancouver here in this neck of the woods down at Jackknife Sound uh, with, of course, Jason Corbett at the helm. Mm, Jason Corbett okay. of Actors, and he's been in um, other Vancouver-based bands. Produced like... Art Deco, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. right. Yeah, that's yeah. quite the storied career, yeah. 
And um, that collaboration came as a result of our mutual friend, Matt LaForest, who's played in a lot of bands himself. You know Matt also? Wonderful, yeah. yeah. My husband actually um, knows him at LNM. Of course, yeah. yeah. What a connection, right? Involved in many things. And of course, is doing an excellent job carving out a name for himself as a graphic designer as well. And he's heavily involved in the, the way the band is presented you know, at, at least on an online sense. I don't think we have anything in physical print just yet, but we're, okay, cool. we're working on that. Nice. So, um, yeah, uh, Jason heard, I guess, or listens to Like Animals and made made it work, you know. Uh, we got to have a couple of days with him. He has a very busy schedule, and um, it was incredible just to go over the shared influences of bands we both like and let him do what he does. Wow. Because um, the song was just on acoustic guitars before that, and we said, hey, just go for it, dude. Just, yeah. 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 Who else played on the recordings? It was really, I think, just the two of us. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, he did some hand claps and really helped with a lot of the programming and stuff, and I, I actually thought he was going to play more. Um, but it was quite interesting being, um, you know, encouraged by him to perform some keyboard parts when I... I can't really remember the last time I, I touched a keyboard. It's not my forte, but it's a sound, of course, we're, we're all interested in. Right. Yeah. And he had some amazing old synths. He had like the, this, the ARP that they use on the Joy Division, that really famous Joy Division song. Oh, like, my he, God. he had like some awesome um, ideas sonically. So, yeah, it was really fun. And we, we just seemed to kind of click with him. I don't know. From my perspective, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. He just seemed to really get the project. Really. Well, that's really important. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can have a producer. Is, is he actually producing, or are you guys producing it? Well, we'll uh, we'd love like another opportunity to collaborate mm-hmm. and yeah. submit more demos, of course. And in the meantime, uh, we'll do the best we can to mm-hmm. just continue to add to the body of work and get oh, ready. Fantastic. Get so our live exciting. show. Oh, ready. my God. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to play Like Animals. I'm here with Sarah and Aaron from Melly and Skelder. And you're listening to Make a Scene on Pacific Northwest Radio. This is Molly and Skelder, and this is Like Animals on Pacific Northwest Radio.
really, really love that track. When I first saw the video, I was like, oh my God, who the hell is this? Right? Because I, I was listening to it, but I wasn't watching it. And then I saw you, Sarah, and I was like, what the hell? Oh my God. You guys, exactly it's awesome. It's it. awesome. It's a fun one. It's a fun one. <laughs> so we're just here. We're in Aaron's place. We're just chilling out. So for me, co-writing can be extremely exhilarating if you have the right people, especially when you finish the song and you say, oh my God, that's so good. What's the writing process like for you guys? Mm. And you can both chime in. Yeah, well, um, I personally have done a lot of like, a lot of songwriting with different, a lot of collaborations with different people. Um, like I teach songwriting. I've taught a queer youth group where you people that maybe don't even play instruments, you, you, you write a song with them right off the bat. I've taught in a women's prison also same deal where like people don't even play instruments and you, you get them playing and like writing and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, I, why don't I write with people that like know how to play instruments? <laughs> like, <laughs> and um, so writing with Aaron is so much fun because he can play anything and he's, he's got a very visual way of thinking um, and, and a visual sense of lyrics. And so we, we, I don't I, I don't know, maybe we should get Aaron to kind of describe how we go through it, but we, we basically just kind of talk about what's going on in our lives a little bit, and then we try and figure out, like, uh, we just chat a little bit, and then we kind of see, like, from from the conversation, like, what what little snippets of, of visual ideas or words or whatever are standing out to us, and then we just kind of go from there. But we usually don't have any preconceived kind of idea, and we just let it flow. We kind of have an idea of what the project is, right? You know, what the style of the project is. But we just, we, the, you know, and we want to write like really, you know, catchy, danceable tracks. You know, like we want it's a fun project. So yeah. like, yeah. So we just, we just kind of, you know, have that in mind and move towards. Uh, and then just move towards the song and just kind of comes together. I don't know. How, how was your experience? It's beautifully described. <laughs> I love the therapeutic element of approaching you about song uh, germs, I guess you'd call them. Just a chord progression and a melody, not even words. And just 10 seconds of that. And yeah. building on that, like a plant or a seed, if you will. Um, I think I remember my first time going to see you at Rufus Guitar Shop where you teach and I would recommend any, um, you know, aspiring songwriter to come have a lesson with you if, if doable because it did wonders for me. Um, I think I even remember saying, Sarah, if you want me to sign a piece of paper saying I acknowledge that you are not a clinically trained therapist or psychologist, I will do it. Oh my God. I, I mean, That's I, I awesome. yeah, I feel like I was, I was definitely going through something at the time and that whole thing where you can just sit down like we're doing now and talk about what's affecting you in your life. And I think you have a really interesting way of if there's a combination of words used that maybe interests you or stick out to you, that might make it into the song. Yeah. And that might grab the listener and give something a listener can relate to. Totally. I, I told, I, that's, that's a huge point. It like, yeah. And Aaron, you're right. Like now I'm thinking of it with like animals. Aaron had like kind of like a, he had a dream or something or you just like this, this bass part that kind of came to you. And that was, that was the seed idea for that song. And then, and then it grew around. Yeah. That. But, but yeah, I think that, that, so yeah, we kind of, we kind of just kind of roll with whatever happens, but, but, um, 
I think the when you're writing pop music and when you're trying to write something that's really catchy, that's danceable, but at the same time, for me at least, our goal is to write something that also has a me- some sort of message or emotional um, relevancy, something that's t- that really means something to us. Because if there's not that piece as well, then it's just a fluffy dance song, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like it's, it's like a it's, shell. It's got to have some kind of real mojo in the song in order for the song to be really great. And I think that's been a, a, like part of what drives Molly and Skelder is to write great songs, like really awesome songs. We only have a couple that have been released, but the two it's that okay. we have, They're I love. awesome. I love. And, and yeah, and I truly like, I'm like, I can stand behind those songs. Like I, I love them, and they're they're songs that I would never write by myself because it's just like the chemistry with Aaron is something that is just really special and just like really, really just turns into something. It always turns into something awesome. <laughs> like just I just whatever Aaron says. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? I'm just like yes. Like, whatever yeah. you want to do, we're gonna do it. Oh, I love it. So are <laughs> yeah. you gonna be doing singles? Do you think recording singles? Are you are you thinking about doing a whole album or? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a going. change frontier now for music, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. And I keep thinking about people's attention spans and how to get people's attention. Yeah. And, like, going back to that solo record of me, like, there wasn't a rule saying no song should be longer than two minutes, but I <laughs> I wasn't, you know, making anything go on longer than it had to be. And the whole, it, it, I almost can't even call it an album. It should almost be called an EP because it's less than 25 minutes long. Wow. But the way we've been going, I mean, Like Animals was released... I wanted to release it on Halloween, and then Matt suggested do it the day before because that's the, the oh god, I should the know eve this. of the eve, yes, yeah. in the movie The Crow. <laughs> uh, so we did that. So I Halloween fall right, and then billboards. Well, that's uh, February, so winter. Uh-huh. Um, so hopefully we could get something out by summer, spring, and just maybe do like a quarterly, like every financial quarter. There you go. Well, it just feels like it just feels like we we. We want. We're both really excited about this project, and we're both really, really feel good about all of the stuff that we've done already. And I think that that you can hear that excitement. Yeah. You and can. I think like we haven't really planned this out or anything. It's just kind of coming together in a really beautiful way. We want to both work on this because we're having fun, but basically we feel inspired and we're working on things as we are inspired. And I think you can hear that. Like we're not just like we're gonna we're gonna bang out an album here. Like we're we're not. We're writing the songs and we're making sure that every song really counts and everything that we do really counts. And yeah, that's that's what's really keeping me interested. You know. Very cool. Yeah. Um, the video. <laughs> yeah. Like animals. Okay, that so I got to talk about that. Yeah. How did that? How did that come about? And who's like, who was the mask? That's. Oh, know, the mask. mask. Yeah. <laughs> nice and dark, and I'm I'm on the dark side, right? So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm so glad we get to talk about the video because yeah. um, that video was originally not even supposed to be for Melly and Scalder, like, it was originally set up ahead of time for my solo thing. Oh, okay. And um, I had this song that, you know, it's a faster, more rockin' song, and I was like, yeah, we should, like, make strobe lights and smash a bunch of bottles, because there's a lyric about <laughs> broken glass. And, um, I had a friend from UBC Film, Mike Johnston, and his wonderful crew, and 
he originally wanted to use a film studio out in Langley in Martini Studios, but it was a very busy time. And he managed to get us into the Rogers Sugar Factory, which has always been a huge dream oh, of mine. Wow. Uh, to get inside there, it's very difficult to get in. It's an yeah. international port. You need clearance and things. And he managed to figure all that out. Um, and I feel like it's a Vancouver landmark, and a lot of rock bands have um, film videos there. Bands I, I loved growing up and still love. So it was kind of all set in motion even before Sarah and I even met. Mm-hmm. And what's really odd is that um, we then changed the idea to make it for a Mullion Scalder song because I really wanted to get this project established as soon as possible before the song was even written. So oh, awesome. usually you write a song and you record it and then you talk about you a video. video yeah. but this was the complete backwards way. I love it. So it's almost like the song was written a bit with that type of black and white, creepy warehouse treatment mm-hmm. in mind. And um, yeah, going back to the thing of a, a germ of a song and, and that brief uh, bass line that repeats. Um, uh, being in a half dream state, half asleep when I was working on a different project... Luckily, I woke up and heard something in my head, played on an arpeggiated synth, and I don't really know how to do arpeggiated synth, but I had a bass with me. So an iPhone recording of a bass unplugged (laughs) for 10 seconds, that's all we had. And I just remember at the coffee shop up the road showing this to Mike Johnson, the director, like, okay, yeah, here's, we're going to change everything. He's like, well, can I listen to it again? Like, (laughs) I need 20 seconds. Unplugged bass for, yeah, you know, but... um, yeah, and then the whole writing process, which was a bit fast-tracked, but um, it, it was a very productive day, a very... Um, it wasn't actually that hot in there. I thought it was going to be a lot hotter, but we all came together and... It was, <laughs> Sarah's uh, like, it was I hot. I felt it was hot. We, well, yeah. I'm not used to wearing a suit. Right. So, yeah. True, yeah, that which does Which is very here. sexy, I must say. <laughs> yeah, it was such an amazing experience. And yeah, I, from my perspective, basically Aaron was like, you want... You want to have a band? I'm like, oh, oh okay. Well, let, let's let's write a song. And he's like, okay, we write a song. Do you want to do a video? I'm like, okay, okay. And <laughs> you're like, yeah. What else? Just, what yeah, else? Just whatever, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just it was just so much fun, and it was such a cool experience that video. Yeah, really I love it. Cool. I love it. So it's on Facebook. It's probably on YouTube. It is on YouTube. Okay, yeah. so people can go and, and source it up. Uh, join the Facebook page, like it, and then you can find all all kinds of information about you guys. So mm-hmm. I want to kind of veer off that for a little bit, but what I want to do is now talk about some of your most personal thoughts. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Worst gig ever. (laughs) Yes! A lot of musicians listen to the show as well as as fans of musicians. So just to let the the fans know that there are times when we have to perform and we walk away. We keep a very professional outlook and we go and do our show, but at the end it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that shit just happened. Sarah, you start. What is the oh, worst Jesus. gig that sticks out? You don't have to say the venue if you don't want to, but um, just tell me. Ah. <laughs> a few, a few are standing out. You have to do a lot of a lot of you know legwork in the in music to to get to playing the really great shows. And I don't know the ones that are standing out to me was like I remember playing one uh, you know one show. I got there. I think it was in the summertime, and there there were still. Um, I think it was Jimi Hendrix in a Santa Claus outfit, still painted on the front of the bar. Like they hadn't changed oh, it from Christmas time. Nice. And then we're like, 
<clears throat> it was in it was in the middle of nowhere, and uh, and I and and I was like, what what the hell am I doing here? Like, and there was nobody there. There were like three three or four people there, but they were lovely people, and and I was like. Oh Jesus! The 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 people who were the person I was playing with was very very talented, uh, professional musician, and uh, so I was like, oh, I'm going to do the show for sure. But I didn't know what it was going to be like when I got there, and and so it was it was kind of like, oh, why did I drive all the way out here? And then the people that ended up being at the show, one of the people that I met was so lovely, and she actually. Um, I didn't know how to get home. She's like, I can drive you home. It was like an hour away. I was like, no, you're not driving me home, whatever. And then I ended up keeping in touch with her. She's, she actually works in cancer care and she phoned me or she messaged me all through my treatment oh and my was God. like lovely, like through the whole, th and I've remained friends with her. And I was, so sometimes when you do a show where you're like, why am I even yeah. doing this? Sometimes there's just like that one person that you meet or, you know, one thing that happens that like you never know how it's going to affect the rest of your life. So That's it was like true. maybe one of the shittiest shows that I've ever done. But I, I remain friends with this very lovely lady that I met at that show. Oh, so. that's a very be beautiful story. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> I saw his wheels turn. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, you know, oddly <laughs> enough. Uh, moving to Vancouver about 10 years ago, um, it was easier for me to get going, getting gigs and cover bands, which is a very common thing around. And it's certainly promoted in a different way. And you wouldn't promote something like that the same way you would an original show. Mm -hmm. So um, I, you know, I've been very lucky for any opportunity to play original shows and promote myself, even if, you know, it's, it's quite a high ratio of what you're spending to make it happen versus what you actually make back from yeah. it. But um, I want to go back into the cover thing. It was actually like an acoustic duo type gig. And I, I won't name the place, but let's just say it's the type of place where you have to have a membership to get into. Okay. And it involves sports and <laughs> it involves a particular kind of sport. I think it's something like where you play tennis on grass or bowling on something like that. Okay. And... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's sort of an exclusive place, and it, it was a pretty professional gig, and it was an acoustic duo thing. We could kind of play whatever we want. I think we had to play, like, old, like, 50s stuff. But it's just, I'm, I'm, very, I'm still very sensitive to when I get um, told to turn down. And, but it's not like I had an amp or a Marshall amp or anything. Like, it was a parlor-sized acoustic guitar with a pickup plugged into a PA, and I'm singing in a mic, and it was almost like our voice was so low in the PA, you could just hear our, like our regular voices, no mic. And I think the dude was still telling me to turn to down, quiet down. Oh, and, the worst. Um, you know, some people, they just may, maybe there's other reasons other than, um, like sound, actual sound reasons they do that. Who knows? Right. So I, I think I decided to have some fun with it and the guy was like, hey, you know, just so you know, you, you guys are too loud. You got to keep it down. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to quit this whole music scene. You got kids coming up here charging less and less and undercutting us. And so don't worry about it or something. And I just it's probably not something you should say to a club. You've never played manager. that club again. Obviously, they didn't have you back. I may have since. I can't. It was a while ago, but it was weird. 
<laughs> but we have my uh, guy I was playing with. We had some great chats on the break, and I think we might have gotten like a complimentary glass of wine each nice. or something. And it was a paid gig, so I really should have had a better um, professional demeanor. But when I'm just really glad I don't uh, break any valuable instruments when um, people do tell me to turn down because <laughs> I'm trying to get better at it, and I'll turn my amp against the wall or exactly. whatever. Just but like, um, take it down a notch, take I'm a breath. Working on that. So. Good. Good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so also talking about music and venues, etc. I know I have the worst experiences with yeah. green rooms. Green rooms for artists. I mean, this is kind of for the venues now that I'm talking to. There's got to be some kind of rule. You've got to have basic, mm. basic um, human life qualities for a green room. You know what I mean? Like there's got to be, you know, a mirror. There's got to be a quiet sitting room. There's got to, you know... What what has been the worst green room that you've ever had to experience before? <laughs> um, yikes! Well, I I don't know. Like, what's coming to mind for me is more like. Do you remember when these green rooms of? I mean, I I used to play way back in the day in like the the time of like the, you know, you know. It, when Olympia, when the whole like riot girl scene was going on, and we'd right. like go down to, I used to play with um, Cindy Wolf. She was like the 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 twin sister of um, Allison Wolf from Bratmobile, which is Bratmobile is considered like one of the you know bigger acts in the riot girl movement in totally. Olympia, Washington, and stuff like that. So we used to go and play um, shows with Cindy Wolf, who was the twin sister of Allison, and in Olympia and stuff like that, and and whatever it was so we it was really cool because we got to hang out with some of these bands and stuff like that but i guess i guess it wasn't really a green room situation it was like a band uh house they used to have these band houses oh, yeah. this was somewhere in the prairies i think and they <laughs> they you know you you get put up in this shite house that you know like so we were at this house and it's always the middle of the night you got all your gear you know it's after the show and like you're just lying here so I go into this room and it, it turns out like, like okay i went to bed it were like i don't know there were there were couches and all like furniture and there's like a storage room that i was sleeping in <laughs> oh, man. just like super dirty bed oh and uh, like gross sheets and everything i wake up in the morning and there's like a used condom on the ground. Oh my and god! It's just like disgusting. And we found out later it was like the one. Of, it was the house that was in Fubar. It was like no. it was like oh <laughs> so sketchy, like super super <laughs> sketchy. Anyway, it wasn't really a green room, but it was kind of like a you know accommodation. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta treat you gotta treat us better. You yeah, know? like you hear these stories about the Beatles in in Hamburg living in a broom closet. Yeah, and being malnourished and wearing the same clothes and yeah. having to take speed to get through their gigs. And, um, yeah, even well, well, that would have been sixties, early sixties. Yeah. But yeah, the things artists will will put up with, you know, because right. we it's a big deal to play music and live yeah. that kind of lifestyle. I think it's a little, maybe a little bit different for guys. For sure, think, yeah. You know, the green room thing. I mean, I like to have a space before I go out and yeah. perform where I can kind of just mellow out, chill out, you know, do my thing. But, you know, the last the last show we played actually was the worst, the bathroom. It was on an angle. There was holes in the wall, you know, and on the floor. So you had to watch where you stepped when you oh. sat on the toilet. And that wasn't even for us. And we actually got kicked out of there. Like, there is no green room. I'm like, what? 
Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. I mean, you just like it's part of the it's part of the you know the circus of of of, of playing music. You know, it's kind of like every show is kind of like the Muppet Show back totally. where you're kind of like, is this really going to come together? Because it really doesn't look like it is. <laughs> um, you know, like it, it it's that kind of a thing, and I think you have to like that. You kind of have to like that, like um, uncertainty, total right? uncertainty, totally. Yeah, yeah that that's keeps kinda, you on the edge. Yeah, I kind of love that. It's <laughs> kind of like, oh, what the hell's going to happen next? You know, like you never know what's going to happen next when you're playing live. There's no like, and, and I think that's what I love about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we all know as artists, the industry side can be a little bit more than difficult at times. And I have a new mantra that is kind of inspiring me right now. It's four words, dedication, determination, desire, and discipline. Do you have a mantra or a routine that inspires you, kind of puts the wood on the fire? Hmm. Did you say you're doing a lot of meditation and stuff I'm like doing that? some meditation yeah, lately, yeah. yeah. That's something that actually Aaron and I have been talking about. Like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of a lot of meditation. I did a lot of meditation through through cancer care. It's part of part of what they recommended to do. Just keep your your, your spirituality, at, you know, mm-hmm. keep your spirits up. Um, so I did a lot of yoga and meditation through that, and I've carried that through now into my life now. And I think. Um, I don't really have a mantra, but I do feel like, um, especially recently for me, that it's really important for me to follow my, like, to be true to myself. Um, And Aaron and I have talked about this kind of thing, like, we're like, after... um, after going through one of the things for me about going through cancer was, was that I realized that I there were things, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself in, to, in order because of growing up gay and stuff like that and not really ever fitting into anything. And I had to think about that a lot along the way. But I realized at 40 that there were still some things that I was doing in terms of how I represent myself physically and how I represent myself in a conversation in terms of like, um, if something offends me or I feel misunderstood, I would sometimes not say anything. And now I, after going going through cancer, I've gone through cancer. I I feel like I need to be all of myself in every situation, and I think that's being true to yourself. Like that's how I like to be true to myself. And you know, we when we when we made the video, part of the Mullen Skelter thing was like, you know, we had this we had this picture of like because I don't know where you, where'd you get that picture from. The picture of the actors <laughs> face swapped. Yeah. I think, well, Face Swap app was probably coming out around 2014, I think. It was a popular thing. People were posting their face swap experiences, and then they did it with a black and white, kind of like a headshot of Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny. Oh, right, yeah. And they're saying, oh, yeah, these guys look like a synth-pop band. (laughs) And they do. They kind of look like the Eurythmics, because it's essentially David Duchovny with, with long hair. And he sort of looks like Dave Stewart back in the day. And, and then Julian Anderson was short, sort of spiky hair, and she look, kind of looks like Annie Lennox. And um, I just kept thinking, like, why hasn't anyone actually done that, right? And um, eventually I had to, like, seek legal counsel and, like, ask a legal professional, like, how does this work? Exactly. Like, is this something anyone can really do? Um, so yeah, we had that picture and that was like 
the basis of our look. So there was a makeup artist around and we would, you know, Joe Archer, she's very great to work very with. Very talented. We um, showed her that photo and that was her plan, right? To make us look like that. And of course the look will evolve as oh, we yeah. keep doing stuff. So, um, yeah, like... Yeah, and I guess where I was going with that was, like, for me, the experience of that, like, you know, the gender swapping thing was what I was interested in in the project. And then uh, when it came time for the video, part of it was, like, in that picture, the female character or the character that I was playing had lipstick. And so that was part of the... Right. That was part of the look that we were going for in that video. And then... And I mean, the video, the the experience of making the video was like dreamy. It was amazing. I had so much fun, but it did highlight to me the fact that like, I am not capable of going down that road anymore. I won't be wearing any more lipstick in my life. You know, like it's, (laughs) it's just not, it's not, it's part of my path of being true to myself. And I discussed this with Aaron and of course he's lovely. He's like, he totally gets it. He's like, yep, whatever. That's the end of that. You know, yeah. like we're not doing that again. Like, and it's just, it's just, you know, he's amazing to work with. And it's just, it's just like having these, it's just part of my, like my coming to realize that for myself. And like, yeah. you know, that's, that's part of the cool thing about this project is like, there's these things that you, that have, you know, this is part of the experience of my life. And now it's kind of, Mm, it's kind of in cartoon form in this in this project, right? Yeah, it's really right? cool. And now you can go, okay, you can adjust those things as you go and like yeah. try to embody something that you really believe in. Nice. I do remember <laughs> the lipstick being an issue, and um, I think it 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 did. Although it was a bit of a thing, it did help in the grand scheme of things because it really helped finalized the decision for the video to be in black and white, which was what our original vision was. Because it was shot in color, just right. to have the option. But like, no, it's got to do the black and white thing. And the picture's black and white. That it was looks based awesome. Off of. yeah. yeah. And it was like, but but the picture, you texted me the picture, right? <laughs> and that's how film works, right? The picture, make it look like the picture, the, right. the, the blueprint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so right on, Sarah. And yeah, just to jump into that, I've certainly experienced my sh- share of highs and lows um, in my almost 30 years of, you know, being alive and playing music and stuff. And it can be a big commitment taking on musical projects and we can put a lot on the table and take a lot of risks to make them happen. And that pressure can weigh you down and, and you can feel hopeless at times. But the thing I've always noticed is that like, if what you're doing is cool and you're doing cool stuff, it sort of, um, makes a bit of that pressure go away, at least temporarily. And it can be quite challenging when you um, put a lot into a project and that runaround, the turnaround time until you start seeing results from that project. Um, But just keep doing cool stuff. It might sound cliche and it can be easier said than done, but I, I think it really does help. Well, actually, that's my next question was, what what kind of advice would you give? Now, that's fantastic advice. No, it's good. So, Sarah, to people that are, you know, maybe trying to get above the noise that have been, you know, because we were talking, Aaron and I, before you came about how many thousands of independent artists there are. They can record at home now. There's, There's just a plethora of music out there. There's videos. And so for fans to actually find you, 
you know, it, it's, it's a little harder. Mm-hmm. So what kind of advice would you give to an artist that is out there, they're recording, they're performing, and they're just maybe spinning their wheels a bit? I think that it's important to have great songs. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and that takes years to develop, the to be able to write really great songs. Like, um, there's no... There's no um, thing where you can sm- snap your fingers and... No magic no, pill. No. Yeah. I think that you just have to put in the work and you have to love what you're doing. Like, you have to you have to be authentic. Like, there has to be an element of authenticity that... Res- if it doesn't resonate with you, it's not going to resonate with anybody else. That's really good. Um, and it's really... Um, I kind of believe in the magic of music. I, I kind of believe in the. We had this conversation with Jason Corbett when we were when we were um, recording. I kind of think that like cool stuff can happen with me because I'm in my forties. You know, like I'm I'm a little bit or, older than than Air, and um, yeah, and I I still think like the next thing is the coolest thing. Like I think that people think that talent is something that you just have. But I think talent is just really loving to do something and never, never losing your inspiration. It's just, it's just loving it. And that's how you get better at it. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. Um, social media tags. How do people find you? What, what's your tag? Um, tag. Yeah, we use, I mean, we're promoting Mully and Scalder a lot okay. right now on all our platforms. And we try and keep the... The tags are similar as possible. I think the, the Twitter one might be a little different. Um, we're Molly and Scalder Music at gmail.com. Okay. And Get in touch with you guys. Molly and Scalder sure. on Instagram. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. prefer to tweet or Instagram? What is your favorite? Pretty much base everything out of Instagram. And, and oh, that's cool. another amazing thing about working with Matt LaForest that totally. he is someone who not only understands. Yeah social media and the benefits and the good sides of it. But I think someone like himself, he can see very fine details. And I think he really appreciates it when bands put in the extra effort Mm -hmm. to um, tweak those fine details and stand out a bit. And um, just to be able to work with someone like that, that has a passion for that type of thing, um, certainly inspires us to do the best we possibly can yeah. to make it cool. And his instincts are amazing. Like yeah. I, I, we had a conversation about this, like, cause he's using the, the ampersand <laughs> sign from, right. our, from our logo as our, as our, you know, main profile. Oh, and it is important. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I don't know, man. We need, I think we need M and S in there or something <laughs> like that. Cause nobody knows who the hell we are. And he's like, no, trust me on this. And I was like, okay. And he was right. Like he just has really, really good instincts and beautiful, clean design, and just it's got a darkness and it's really interesting. And he's just got he's really he's also another person who's really gotten this project in in a really cool way. And yeah, it's just it's really inspiring. Like all the things about this project are all the people that are involved are really into it. And uh, yeah, it's just. There's some electricity there. It's good to have a sense of community. And you're, you're right about the ampersand and that the ampersand is important. Um, you do have to use the ampersand, the and symbol when you punch into Spotify or whatever. Yeah. From a design perspective, it's super cool. So yeah, it's like, that's the next step I think is getting that name printed on actual physical media you can hold in your hand and show people because, um, you know, it just helps, helps to have that little extra push when you're... T- 
entering data of course, into a digital yeah. device. Are you guys going to be playing live soon? We're gearing up. I mean, I'm okay. trying to figure out how to get all like a lot of these recorded sounds into a world of playback so we can travel as a duo slightly more economical um but yeah we we got to record a couple more songs and i think knock out some covers we're very mysterious you are (laughs) oh my god i think that we should do a show together head boom i think it would work with you guys let's let's do it let's do it okay we're dark (laughs) we're so dark (laughs) well thank you so much sarah and aaron for being on magazine canada I'm looking forward to watching your career flourish in the next little bit. So you can head over to their Facebook page at Mully and Sculder Music. That's how you can find them, where you can watch videos and keep up to date on everything Mully and Sculder. Thank you, Sherelle. Thank you for having us. Cool. All right. Please check out Mully and Sculder. It's always great to be on the ground floor of a new band. So you can follow them on their social media pages. This is Billboards from Mully and Skelder, and you're listening to Make a Scene on Pacific Northwest Radio.
Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. There is so much music happening in Canada, and I'm super proud to be playing songs from artists from across our beautiful country. Bands send me two to three songs mastered to PacificNorthwestRadio at gmail.com. And please include a short bio and any upcoming news or gigs. And make sure they're labeled with your name and the song title. Otherwise, they go into the no-name song pile, and that's where they will live throughout eternity. Leave the station on 24-7. It's music online all the time. And you can find your favorite program at PacificNorthwestRadio.com. Don't worry, if you miss a show, you can download it on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. It's all there waiting for you. I absolutely loved hanging out with Molly and Skelder and can't wait to see them live. You can keep up to date with what they're up to, as I mentioned on their social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, at Molly and Skelder Music. Big shout out to my make a scene sponsor, Sheldon Zaharko from Zed Productions. All you rock stars ready to record your new album or single, check out Zed Productions at SheldonZaharko.com. The music that you're listening to right now is from my band Head, recorded with Sheldon. And if you like it, you can hear more Head at headmusic.ca. Join us on both Make a Scene pages at Make a Scene BC on Facebook. One is a group page where you can list your upcoming shows so I can promote them. And the other at Make a Scene Canada is my radio show page. Don't forget to listen every Tuesday night to Make a Scene here on Pacific Northwest Radio to discover your next favorite song or artist. I'm Cheryl Jardine, musician and music lover. You can find me on Twitter at Cheryl Jardine, on Instagram at Make a Scene BC, and on Facebook. Go check out some live music this week. Only you can prevent more venues from closing. Take a few minutes out of your day and share artists that you discover on social media. Let's make a scene in 2019. I like the sound of that.